Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Business Growth Show, where we talk about all components of business and how to utilize them for exponential growth. My name is Aiden Cassiotis. I'm a serial entrepreneur, international speaker, results strategist, business coach, mentor, and consultant. Today, I have an awesome guest. She's an entrepreneur, speaker, business coach, mentor, consultant, internal auditor, and business administration specialist. She helps entrepreneurs on how to start and run a sustainable business using her over 47 years of experience in the operations and administrative field and over 18 years in business. Welcome, Nikki Bullion, and thank you for being on my show. Thank you for having me, Aiton. This is very exciting. Definitely. Awesome to have you here. I'm sure it's going to be amazing for all the watchers and listeners. So you're a very successful entrepreneur. So for those people who don't know who you are, please introduce yourself by telling us about you and your journey. Okay, so uh, I'm from South Africa, in case guys haven't figured out on the accent part of things. Uh, I was originally born in Zimbabwe in the, in the 1950s, and I'm going to leave it at there. And uh, in 1977, I immigrated to South Africa. I worked in Cape Town at the French Bank uh, for four years, and then was headhunted and relocated to Johannesburg, where I worked at Citibank. And I worked in most of the departments and ended up uh, probably around year four or five in the internal audit division. And that felt like home and I've never left it. So I was with Citibank for nine years in total. And I left for green departures into the uh, private sector a company called Glowmail um, that, that started in a, in, the, in a garage as a, a mail order company and grew into, when I left them in 2003, into, I think they had 182 stores countrywide. Um, and I started and set up and then was the HOD for the internal audit division. Um, was a great experience. Uh, incredible learning for me as a person coming from a banking and financial environment to go into a retail sector and watch that grow from when I started I think there were four stores and as I say when I left I think there were about 182 they franchised uh, most of them but uh, yeah it was an incredible experience but as with most things I got to the the top of my game and there was nowhere else to go other than onto the board, which for me would have been a conflict of interest. You can't audit a company and then still sit on the board. It's a conflict of interest. And so Fulian Consulting was born. I realized um, during my journey with Glowmail, specifically with the franchisees, that many of them had no clue on what they wanted to do, let alone how to, to run a business. And I figured if I was seeing that in the Glowmail environment, it stood to reason that it would be universal, not only in the country, but probably in the world. And my first client was Glowmail. They outsourced to me for six months after I left. And I then grew from strength to strength from there. Uh, I'm a natural networker. Uh, I, as much as I have a sense of humor and I can laugh and joke with the best of them, I also have a very no-nonsense attitude and I'm known for it. In fact, on my website, I say, if you don't want to hear the answer, don't ask the question because I tell it like it is. How else, how else do you do that? Um, I have a very strict rule when I'm doing forensic audits. I want it in writing that if I find sufficient evidence for a case to be made, if you don't make it, if you're not prepared to, to apprehend the, the, the suspects, then I don't want to do the work because it's a huge amount of work. It's soul destroying when you see 
what people can get up to when they steal not only from the company, but as a result of that, where, where companies are literally brought to their knees in desperation and often close simply because of somebody else's greed. And when that happens, of course, it affects every single other employee in the company. The people that you smile at at work and you call friend at work, you are actually stealing the food off their table, literally. So it's a very serious subject. So I do find humor in other things, but when it comes to forensic audits and theft, uh, the humor has left the building along with Elvis. Uh, I really do enjoy my work. I love going into a, a company where there's total chaos and bring order into the madness. And you've had a look to see the madness in my own little office here, which will be brought into order the next probably three months. So yes, and I'm, I'm very good at what I do. A lot of people don't know how to work with me because I am very straightforward and because, because I tell it like it is. I don't, I don't like, why well, sugarcoat something? It is what it is. Yeah. So that's basically me in a nutshell. I love it. Um, very, very interesting uh, story. And uh, yeah, I'd love to get into that persona review. And yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's always better um to tell it how it is and and um you know tell people what they need to hear and and obviously it can be challenging for some people um with their mindsets and things like that but it's 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 what's actually needed um in business um and especially if you're obviously if you're talking about numbers um financial stuff or auditing type stuff as well because there's a lot of harsh truths that can come out of those things so um yeah very powerful there i love that um so um, you know, you would know, obviously, like if, if we're going back to like, you know, starting a business, right? So, um, you know, as you would know, a business plan, right, is a great way to start an entrepreneurial endeavor, right? Because, um, you know, if you if you don't plan, you plan to fail, basically, right, as they say. So, um, you know. Well, it, it, go, it starts from before that, uh, Aiton. It starts, many of the franchisees that I came across at GoMail, they were of a, ret a retirable age and they realized they didn't have quite enough money in the pot to sustain them. So it was a case of, oh, we'll just give her something little, you know, we'll just start a little something. And I was horrified. I mean, what does that mean? On a daily basis, I get emails that are, I want to start a business. And I say, okay, exactly what? No, I don't know, just a little something. You know, what does that mean? If you don't even know what you want to start, how are you going to succeed at it? So the, the first step is, is getting clarity. And I always say, if cash is king, then clarity has to be queen. If you don't know exactly where you, where you want to end up, how do you know how to get there? It's like going to Cape Town via Moscow. It's crazy. Yeah. So that's the first step. The business plan is in the second step because that is your plan on how you get from, from where you start to success. And a business plan doesn't have to be a five-year or 10-year or 20-year or whatever. It, it's just a, a, a plan. It's your map book to say, this is where I've started. This is where I want to end. This is what I have. This is what I need. Yeah. So it's not only from a financial aspect, it's from a staffing aspect. It's from compliance because obviously different uh, business types require different, uh, corp uh, uh, different compliance. You would need different procedures. So for example, someone who's running a logistics company would need a whole lot of stuff, not only on the uh, uh, procedures and policies, not only on the stuff that they hold for their clients, but what about their trucks? 
What about the spares for their trucks? How do they manage that fleet? How do they manage those staff? Because you can have a guy working in a warehouse, but he doesn't have to be a driver. But in a logistics company, you would have to have drivers. So they're all different components, depending on the industry that you're in. Yeah, definitely. And, and South Africa's got very stringent uh, laws, particularly around HR, that has to be upheld and it has to be kept. Because what are the, the most expensive ways and yet the most stupid ways that you can lose your business is through lack of compliance. Right. And particularly the, in, the, in the human uh, staffing arrangement. So you've got to know what you're doing. And in order to know what you're doing, you've got to love what you do. I mean, I could never go and open a doctor's practice. Yeah. Never mind that I'm not a doctor. I'm an introvert. So the streams of traffic coming in and out would drive me crazy. I mean, when we went down to, into lockdown, I was, yay, I can sit quietly and get on with my stuff. <laughs> and everybody kind of looked at me like I'd lost the plot. But I, the lockdown has had no effect on me from a, from a mental uh, perspective because I'm quite happy in my own skin and I'm quite happy to sit on my own. But someone who loves to work around people could never do what I do because, because of the isolation. And also, it's always my fault when they go to jail. You do understand that, hey? <laughs> it's always my fault. Yeah. Yes, you're the one that finds out uh, who's being bad and everything like that. And um, yes, somebody's got to somebody's got to do it anyway. So, um, but yes, now really great points. I love that about the business plan and and, and taking that step further back. You're right because it, you know, is it you know is the idea worth you know doing it right? And is it like um, you know then obviously the business plan you nut that out a bit more. But it's like oh hey, I want to sell lemonade. Well. You know, you've only got enough time in a day if you're just making lemonade at the front of your house. It's not really a business. So, you know, you've got to get that, like you said, that clarity first. So I love that part. And then, yeah, go into all the different elements and like the ones you mentioned and, you know, looking at your competitors and what's the industry doing. There's a lot of different elements, right, that um, are important for a business plan. Obviously, the numbers, um, making sure that, you know, what your costs and, and what, you know, what you want to sell and everything like that. So really, really awesome. So if, you know, let, let's just say that, you know, now they've started their business, right? Um, what do you see in, in, you know, in the people that you're working with uh, are the biggest challenges they're facing when they're first starting their business and they're, and they're getting going? One of the biggest challenges is always finance. I, I started my, my business on last month's salary. That's how I started. But I don't have stock, so I don't need an outlay. I don't have staff, so I don't need that outlet. So it can be pretty daunting. So they, they need to do the market research. So they've got a gadget. How do they know people need this gadget? How many people need this gadget? So who is your target market? And, and please, I can say that everybody on the face of this planet is my target market. But I would be running myself ragged. So I have specific pockets. Obviously, for the, the startups, I'm looking for people who want to start a business. That is a group of, of target markets that I, when I'm doing my workshops, that's who I target. That said, I've had entrepreneurs on my workshops who've been in business for over 20 years, and who've walked out completely shell-shocked. Because they think that being your, being your own boss means that you have all the time in the world to do whatever it is that you want to do. They don't want a nine to five job. Being your own boss means that you sometimes work 16 hours a day. That's the reality of it. And if you don't love what you do, you're not going to put that time and effort into it. Definitely. It's, um, 
very powerful there. I love that. And um, yeah, so, so, so important. Um, you know, a lot of people don't understand that, like you said, like it, it touches on that cash flow point, right? And obviously, us being like, if you're talking about coaching, consulting and stuff, it's an easier barrier to entry because there's not much outlay, right? At, at the start, um, which is easier. Um, and that, obviously, when you start getting staff and other things, then um, you know, as you, if you want to grow to that point, then that's a different story. But yes, if you're wanting to sell millions of products, you still got to you got to buy the stuff first and um, potentially do prototypes and all these other things. So it's a very different game. Um, so yeah, and you were mentioning like obviously these workshops and stuff, and there's a lot of areas of business right that um, you know are really important. So many different areas, and a lot of people. They may know a couple of them or whatever, and you know, but they don't really know all of them. That's you know, that's what I'm doing. And I've, like, I've done an MBA myself, and I'm sure you're, you know, you're very well versed in business as well. So, what areas of business, I guess, do you see as the most important for an entrepreneur to master um, to ensure, you know, they grow a, a sustainable business? Okay, an entrepreneur has to master themselves first. Cannot be everything to everybody. So if you're passionate about finance, you've got to find a salesperson. You've got to find a marketing person. You've got to find an HR person because you're not going to fit into the, those other categories. Your finance, you stick with finance. If you are a retail person, you've got to find somebody who does the books because you're not, you're not going to be doing the books. My accountant doesn't do his own books because he's so busy working on other people's books that it's, oh, I'll get to mine, I'll get to mine, and he puts it aside and he puts it aside, and eventually a whole year's gone by and his books are not done. So he learned the hard way. He outsources to another accountant. I think they do a, a value trade exchange and they do each other's books. So that's a wonderful collaboration. And it also means that when his accountant is on leave, he bridges the gap and looks after the, the accountant staff and vice versa. So don't be scared of your competition. Don't ever be scared of your competition. Work with them. It can be done and it should be done because we should all be supporting each other. We're on the same journey. We might be taking different roads, but we're on the same journey called life. I've also found that some of the most simple things in life cause the most chaos and can cost you the most money. And if, if, I, if you like, I would like to give you a few examples of this. Love it. Let's hear it. Okay, so I have a client, um, gosh, I've had him for about 15 years now, who sold gadgets. I'm, I obviously can't tell you names and even products or anything like that. And he had very successful, I mean, some of the, some of it was household stuff that you could put into your, into a domestic environment, or it could be used for huge corporates. So it ranged in price probably from about 40 or 50 rand right up to half a million, a million, depending on the number of uh, the quantities and obviously the size of the product. And he had, everybody was in the same office, all of his office staff, and he had reps on the road and what have you. And nobody liked to do the filing. Everybody hated to do the filing. So they had a big box in the middle of the office floor. And as everybody finished with what they were doing, it got filed into the box. So it was just dumped. So you, you had everything from clients to suppliers to financial requirements, uh, everything was filed in one box. That box was very dutifully Oh, wait a minute, I've missed a step. If they needed to send a product to a client and they didn't have the correct size box in the warehouse, they would often grab the box that the filing was in 
and split the filing into smaller boxes or find a bigger box. So often the months and the years got mixed up in the one box. Everything was, was very carefully kept. I mean, they actually had a huge container out in the, the backyard. And when the box was full, it went into the container. So nothing was thrown out or shredded or thank goodness. It was all kept, but you can imagine it was in a, in a total state of disarray. So the one financial year end comes and SARS, which is our South African Revenue Service, which is your, your tax people, he got a letter from them to say that he'd been going, he'd been in business at that point for 27 years. And I think this was around, if memory serves me correctly, this was around 2008, 2009. And SARS sent him a letter saying, you haven't paid VAT for a specific month. So the VAT is the value added tax. You haven't paid VAT for a specific month. And, but it's 15 years previous. By the time you've added the penalties and the interest onto the VAT, it was something like 28 million that he owed the receiver. Now, he's very good on paying his VAT and all of his tax. The problem was that 15 years prior to that was long before the e-filing or anything like that. So there was no uh, online proof that he'd paid this money. You actually went to the, the office with your check and they stamped it and they gave you a receipt. That's how it was done. Now, of course, it's all done through the internet. So he phoned me, it's half past 11 on a Friday night and the man was in tears. He was, I mean, who's got suddenly 25 million that you can just, or 28 million or whatever it was, that you now can just pay out? So what we did was I got a whole lot of university students because they're always looking for money and we started going through the boxes and we had, we had a long corridor in the office and we put all these boxes in the office with a year on each box. And all you saw were these students going up and down the boxes, putting paper into each of the boxes. And when we'd emptied the whole of the, the container, the shipping container, and all the pieces of paper were in their correct boxes, we were able to go back to the year, sort that into months, and find the correct receipt. I think the man wept with joy. It was a costly enterprise though, because it cost him 160,000 rand. Because that cut a lot better than 25 or 28 million, <laughs> but it was a very, very expensive lesson. So the procedure was put into, into place. Every morning, you, you can actually put the kettle on, but you're not allowed to have your tea or coffee until the filing has been done. And he's actually dismissed two or three people for not doing that. So something as simple as your filing, if it's not up to date, and if you don't know where everything is, it can cost you a huge amount of money. And that's just like driving down the road and throwing 160,000 Rand out the window because that's exactly what it was. But it's a, a, a lesson that he learned. There you go. Great story. And, you know, like you said, um, filing and, and knowing where you've got everything and having a system basically right in, in everything yeah. that you do um i think that's the key thing because obviously you've got systems with like dropbox and other things like google drive online where you put your you know your things in there it doesn't have to just be financial stuff it could be everything in your business right that you've got in there easy for people to um you know refer to or yourself and then obviously you've got online accounting systems and other things now as well but you still need to have a system because otherwise yeah if you're like oh i remember we did that project you know 
at this time four years ago or something and you want to refer to it or you want to you need to look at some information you want to be able to find it relatively quickly but you, but you should you should be able to everything that you do should go back into a system so even your marketing you find a system that works for you and you repeat it that's how you become successful if you do your marketing like this today and it works but you do your marketing like this tomorrow and it doesn't work logic must tell you you must go back to the way that you did it the previous day when it worked and yet most people don't even think about that and it, and in this country um we have the the king commission here and i think we're up to the king four which has become international best practice uh, and they particularly on an hr when you when you register your business you can actually find yourself liable in your personal capacity for trading recklessly by not following the a correct procedure or not having policies and procedures in your company that put you at risk and it sounds crazy and people are always bitching and moaning about red tape and i always say you know what policies and procedures are there to protect us from our own stupidity and again another story if we have time i don't know what time constraints we have <laughs> So, Nikki, if you feel like talking about it, let, let's share it with everybody. Well, again, it's a real life uh, example um, that I've come across over the years. So, this again, obviously, no names. They don't want to see themselves or hear themselves with egg on their face and whatever have you. Had an employee who was for the sake of ease, let's say, earning 10,000 Rand a month. Because he didn't follow procedures, the employee was dismissed without him going through the proper procedures that are required by law. So you have to, here you have to give them a, there's the different categories of transgressions. Some of them are instant dismissal. And even if I say instant dismissal, you still have to go through the disciplinary hearing for them to be found guilty. And only then can they be dismissed. You can't just say, there's the door, get out, which is actually what he did. So the staff, the employee went off to the CCMA, which is one of the regulatory bodies and put in a formal complaint. And it took approximately a year before it came to court and he had to go, well, it's not court, it's the commission. And he had to go and please explain his non-actions because he didn't follow procedures. And in fact, he had no written uh, policies and procedures in the company. So the CCMA obviously found in favor of the complainant being the now ex-staff member. By the time they were finished with fines, he had to pay the 12 months salary that was owed to the employee. So it's 120,000 just by itself. Then there were fines and penalties for not adhering to uh, the law. And I know Australia is very strict on their laws. My brother was telling me about the Sydney Bridge. So you know about consequences and ended up something like 350,000 Rand. He's a small entrepreneur, no cash flow, because you have a limited time in which to pay that across. So now he's got no cash flow. He hasn't got money to buy stock. You don't have stock, you can't make sales. With sales, you have no income. So eventually he had to declare bankruptcy. He didn't follow that procedure either. He just dismissed the staff, closed up shop. He was then held 
liable in his personal capacity because he traded recklessly or because he didn't have procedures and he didn't follow the procedure. Yeah. Here, we, if you've got a PTY, if you registered as a PTY limited, you are protected. If the company goes bang, stuff happens. You're protected unless you trade recklessly. The fact that he didn't follow procedures made it his responsibility, his consequence, and his personal capacity. So, you know, a lot of people, ah, oh. in fact, I had one lady say to me, ah, oh, these bloody procedures, I couldn't be bothered. I said to her, oh, did you shower this morning or bath? And she looked at me in horror and she said, of course I did. I said, oh. Did you climb into the bath in your pajamas or did you get undressed to climb into the bath? She said, looked at me like I was an idiot. She said, well, of course I took my PJs off before I climbed into the bath. I said, yes, you followed a procedure. It. And it's that simple. So it's breaking it down into simple, simplistic, basic kind of accounts that allows people to have aha moments so that they understand why they have to do things because the moment you get someone to understand the why the how becomes completely apparent and you get their buy-in when you don't have buy-in that's when you have chaos yeah and the minute you have chaos that's where it becomes easy to defraud a company right. the minute i walk into a company and i find chaos I'm like, okay, which one of you is it? <laughs> That's the way it is. And the more chaos, the bigger the fraud. That's the rule of, of thumb. Yeah, very powerful there. I love that. And like, I know just as a side thing for everyone, like in Australia, we have like the fair trade, you know, commissions and all this type of stuff as well. So every, every country would have something where there's certain things you have to do, right, for employees and for you know, other things in business so that, you know, you follow that. So make sure you're aware because that's, you know, public information that you can actually get, right? Um, but then yeah. there's, you know, but then you want to take it to another level for yourself. Like what Nikki's saying is about actually create those procedures for how you operate a business, right? And everything like that, because that's what's going to help ensure that, yeah, you're not doing things five different ways all the time. Yeah, you're following the this right one, way. This one's got their own way. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that way yeah and, and it protects you as well because if, if you get people that leave the business right at least you've got procedures in place it's easier to hire staff as well right and go this is the thing to follow and like that onboarding is easier obviously you want to keep staff as long as you can as well but you know people leave for well, reasons. Some, some of them some of the staff you want to keep some you want to go <laughs> Just go already. <laughs> That's it. Using the proper channels, of course. You can't yes. just get out the door. There's certain ways. You're right. It's funny. Yeah. And a lot of entrepreneurs in South Africa are very reluctant to hire staff because of of the, the onerous red tape around employees. Employees are very are perceived to have all the, the protection. But it's simply because it's very easy to fire a, a, a staff member. It's very, very easy as long as you follow the rules. It's actually very easy. It, it takes time, but it's easy. And a lot of entrepreneurs, and in fact, even corporates don't understand that. That's right. That's why you got to get good uh, policies and procedures in place for the HR function, basically. And as long as you follow the thing and you can prove that, then yes, I... I learned all yeah. about this in my MBA as well. Um, and it's, yeah. And if, if you got to be really careful though, because if you miss one step in that thing, right, then it can actually like pull the whole curtain down. So that's why it's, when you've got them in place, it's really important that you, you follow that. And that's, and that could be multiple people in the chain, right? It's not just the HR department, yeah. the managers, yeah. it's everybody um, in there. So. Well, nowadays you've got all these um, programs that before you can, actually pass it on to the next person in the chain you've got to close off and if you haven't done everything that you're supposed to have done 
it won't allow you to close it off and it won't allow you to pass it on. So it actually picks up the, the problems before they become a nightmare, yeah. which is great. Yeah, definitely. Great. That's exactly yeah. what you want before it uh, yeah, becomes uh, something that's too big to, to do it there. I love that. And yeah. um, and like I love all these different things, you know, like what you're talking about are some good examples, I guess, of your auditing abilities, right, about these people that, um, you know, aren't following the right way of doing things and you're, you know, you're working out what the challenges are. So um, obviously the owners, a lot of the time, right? Like the founders, they don't really know, you know, like a lot of people, they're just, they're stuck in doing their way. They're not really aware, right? Of all these other things, either they haven't studied it or, you know, they haven't got people in to be able to implement it right into their business mm -hmm. and stuff like that. They haven't done the research. So what do you see? I know you've, you've given some examples, but now, but just to make it quite simple, I guess, is the most important areas um, to audit, I guess, to really have that, you know, key in your, in your business for what, what you see. You should audit everywhere, everywhere in your business. The easiest place to steal money is the petty cash. True. The easier, easiest place to steal product is the warehouse. It's very easy. It's very, if you, and if you don't, have policies and procedures in place where you could, and with, it's not just having the procedure in, in place, it's about making sure that people adhere to that procedure. And if you don't have that, then the, what's the point of the procedure? It's not effective. Yeah. It's like having a car that you never service. Eventually, it's, it's going to break that down. Simple, yeah. <laughs> and and understand, understand. You know, people always say that your actions have consequences. But in my opinion, based on my experience, non-actions have even greater consequences. And uh, the the example with the car is just one of them. You don't service it. Five, six years down the line, it's going to cost you a hell of a lot more than what it would have cost you to service the car every year. Definitely. You know, the consequence is greater. That's right. And we're talking business here, but I'll just go a similar type of example is with our health, right? You know, if we keep yeah. our health, right? And, and health plays a part in business because it, it affects our energy as well, right? So, um, you know, if you if you take some vitamins or you eat relatively healthy most of the time, obviously, you know, you can have some little cheap meals here and there or whatever like that. But that's going to ensure that you've got the energy and your body can repair itself and, you know, you can yeah. do your business and whatever it is. But if you're putting bad stuff into yourself, eventually you're going to get some ailments, right? Um, and, yeah. you know, and then hospital bills and everything like that, it's the same with the business, right? You know, you're going to accept the, yeah, the business, you know, it's uh who knows what it could be but we don't want to get to that point basically um yeah so pretty yeah. much prevention's <laughs> always better than cure and and simple is always better always always and i think it's uh richard branson he says it's very easy to create this whole exciting full of nooks and crannies kind of thing I can't remember his exact words, but it's very difficult to keep things very simple. You would think it's simple, therefore it should be easy. It's more difficult to keep it simple than it is to complicate the whole thing. It's true. Um, that is a skill. Um, so, yes, work through that. Definitely. I love that. And um, like, obviously, you know, in business, you know, you touched on it before is that obviously knowing our numbers, right, is very important in business. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. If, you don't, if you don't know your numbers, you know, especially for cash flow, right? If you run out of money and you can't pay your staff and yeah. you know, other people, you got your invoices, you don't have a business, right? So I guess no. there's not a lot of people, though, that are generally good at numbers, right? So for, Correct. for those people that you see, right, in that area, how do you, how do you see on how you help them or what are some key things, I guess, that you can share that, okay. you know, have so, those skills, yeah. As an internal auditor, I'm actually a qualified bookkeeper. I do not do my own books. And I'm too old and grumpy now to even think about it. My accountant does my books. 
but I actually, we actually, him and I run a course called uh, Financial Literacy for Non-Financial Entrepreneurs. And it's not about teaching you how to do books. It's about teaching you how to read the reports that you get from your, your accountant. Yeah. So that you understand the numbers. Uh, and here's another funny story. So even though I'm a qualified bookkeeper, for the first two years of our relationship, Nico used to come to me once a month. And this, this puts him completely apart from any other accountant that I've ever encountered. He came to fetch, so it was the first Wednesday of every month, he would bring me the previous uh, months work back and I would give him the last months all the paperwork uh, and then we would discuss it we would go through he would show me the the all the reports and he would go through things and the one day he arrived here and I could in his demeanor I could see something was not right so we get inside and I said to him okay what's the problem out with it he said, ah, something very, very wrong here. Something's very wrong here. Your stationary bill is never more than 500 rand a month. It is two and a half thousand rand. What's going on here? And I burst into gales of laughter because I don't have staff. So there's no one stealing my pens or my pencils or my notepads or anything else. It's me. It's only me. So there's no theft going on here. What it was, was one of the big retail stores here in, in um, South Africa called Game was having a special on paper. Printing paper. And I had gone and bought like 2,000 rands worth of paper. And, and I'm going back now, must have been about 2009. Okay, I've still got one box left <laughs> of that paper that I bought in 2009. And when he realized what it was, his demeanor changed and he became the normal laid back, relaxed guy that I knew him to be. But as funny as it is, it also gave me a warm, fuzzy feeling because it made me realize that when he looked at my books, he didn't do it themselves. He's got data capture as you capture all the, the numbers. But when he looked at the final results, he looked at it as if it was his own business. And if he saw his stationary bill increase five times all of a sudden, he would also go and find out what the story was. So that was very reassuring for me. So it's very important to get the right bookkeeper or accountant because the wrong one can also lead you up and, and never give them signing powers on your account. Never. No, 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 no. It's your account. They can tell you what to pay, but you pay it because otherwise they do a disappearing act here as well. Yeah, definitely. So that just, it, it did. It was a, so we run this course, the financial literacy for non-financial entrepreneurs. And, it, and the amount of responses that I've had from people over the years. I, I got one the other day from a lady who, if I had to walk past her in the street, I wouldn't recognize her. I had to go back and, and oh, yes, she came to the course in whatever year it was. And she was saying that, you actually have no idea how much money you've saved me over the years because I implemented everything that you told me to implement. So, yeah. It's awesome. I love that. Um, proof in the pudding and um, yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, I think there's different types of accountants, right? So you want the accountants that are going to be proactive, that care that are actually going to give yeah. you advice, not just do, do the, the numbers, right? Not just yeah. submit the tax. You want to actually get that feedback. And, you know, for yeah. everyone, 
you know, if you've got the on nowadays, you likely have an online accounting system, right? Like whether it's Zero, Myob, QuickBooks, or something else um, in your country, and you can run, you know, the three main reports for everyone, right? Is the profit and loss, it's the balance sheet, and the cash flow statement. <clears throat> they're, they're the three most important that you need to know, and they have different functions. We won't go into the the depths of all of them now. Yeah, um, but, that's but you you've got to know the basics of where it's got to be allocated to, though. Correct. Otherwise, you could also skewer everything. That's right, and and it's also you know one thing I learned when I was um, early in my journey is, and, and this is different for every country and, and business is what's actually claimable in the business as well, yes. right? Yeah. Which is important because you're like, oh yeah, I can just claim that. It's like, oh wait a minute. You know, oh, that's a vehicle. Well, it's not 100% work, right? That's a percentage that you use for work. So you've got to allocate the percentage as an example. And these types. So, so what we did when I started, because my, my, uh, I work from home, obviously, as you can see. And um, my square meterage is 99 square meters. So we, I'm in my spare bedroom or what used to be my spare bedroom. So we measured up the spare bedroom plus half of the dining room, because that's my boardroom when I have meetings, plus the downstairs loo, because that's the office loo, plus half the kitchen, because if I was renting space, I would have half a kitchen. And we came up with 40 square meters out of the 99 dedicated to the business. So we've kept that split with everything. So when I buy groceries, 40% of the groceries that I buy are business related. Because if I was in an office somewhere, I would be buying milk and tea and sugar and coffee and all the other things that you buy in a business, cleaning utensils and everything else. So you work it on that consistency and that percentage, you'll never have a query from the taxman because it's consistent, it's reasonable, it's not an unreasonable, and he can see where you've split your personal from your business. Coming. So if you're working from home, that's the best way to do it. Even if you're working from an office and you're buying the office groceries with your groceries, split it out as a percentage yeah if if you own the space that is your that is your office then remember you've got to charge it rent so you do it as a so not necessarily a room in your home but you may have premises somewhere that that you own in your personal capacity you've got to split it out definitely yeah. Um, I love that. And yeah, so important. So, for, you know, everyone, um, obviously you can do courses or ask your accountant, obviously your accountant, you know, should be able to advise you on, on these types of things, but yeah, definitely get yourself worked out because like I know with myself and you're probably similar, Nikki is, it, it, you know, a lot of people might just go into the counter. Oh, what do I do? And whatever, but I go in there and I actually ask questions. I know how everything works and I'm like, wait a minute, can I do this? Can I do that? So I, you know, it's not that I'm running the meeting, but I'm influencing what the conversation is happening and asking great questions, right, as well. And that's where you can get a lot more value um, out of your... So Dr. John Martini, who's another one of my gurus, always says, the quality of your life is governed by the quality of your questions. So it's right. about asking the right questions. Definitely. Yeah. That's right. And you need the knowledge to be able to do that. I love that. And but let's go a little bit further down the line of business, right? So we're doing business and stuff, but, you know, a big part about businesses having things in writing, right? Um, you know, and signing, you know, and signed and stuff, right? It's important to protect our business, to protect future issues. It could be with clients, with partners, you know, with suppliers, with with whatever it is, right? With our staff, right, as well, and stuff like that. So um, depending on what angle we're looking at, but maybe maybe a bigger one is probably the ones with clients and partners, right? When, when we're signing up and things like that with people is, um, what do you think, like on your what you see that people maybe might be missing or what, what we should include that are really important to have in these types of agreements so that we are protected? Well, first of all, you know, when disagreements happen, whether it's in a marriage 
or whether it's in a partnership. When things go wrong, it always becomes about the money. It always, it doesn't matter what else the other person has done, it becomes about the money. So part of what you've got to do upfront, I mean, I don't think people would enter into a marriage these days without having some sort of uh, contract in place. And yet they'll meet somebody down at the corner pub and two months later, that person's become their best bud, their best friend, their best mate, and we're gonna start a business together. And they don't put anything in place, seriously. So the first thing that you've always got to do is the money. How are you going to spend it as a business? And what are you going to do for whatever part you play in the business? And how are you going to get it? Are you going to get it monthly? Are you going to get it out of the profits? How are you going to get paid? What are what costs are you going to be able to claim for out of the business? Is the business paying for your petrol, for your cell phone, for your entertainment to take your girlfriend, wife, lover, whatever, on an expensive holiday to Thailand? I think Thailand's cheap. On an expensive holiday to Paris. Is the business going to pay that? Does it come out of the expense account? Entertainment. Who are you entertaining? What follows under, what comes into under entertainment that you are allowed to claim for? You get the money thing sorted out. So if you're bringing in, for example, 20% of the business and I'm bringing in 80% of the business, how is it fair that we that we get equal shares or that we get equal salaries. How does it make any kind of sense? Money. Always think about the money. Then, remember the clarity thing? Who's doing what? Because your best mate that you've now known for two, for two months likes to party and he likes to be on the golf course and he likes to guard at night and disappears for weeks on end and you're left struggling to do not only what you think your job is, but also what he's supposed to be doing because he's never around, but he wants half the salary. He wants the exact same salary as you. So be clear, clarity, remember? Clarity is queen. What is he responsible for? What are you responsible for? in black and white. Point four. Simple. Don't use big words like marmalade and furniture. Simple. Then, an exit strategy. Okay, so somebody wants to leave. What is the procedures? Or if you want to close the business, what do you have to do? You've always got to have a plan B. How do you get out of a mess that you've created without breaking the friendship or the trust between the two or three or five or ten or however many it is? Love it. So th those are the three, three, four biggest components. Yeah, definitely. Money, what do you have to do? Exit strategy, three biggest components. Then, of course, you need to protect not only yourself, but each other. So here we have what they call a buy-sell agreement. It's an insurance. And the reason for that is, so you and I go into partnership. Your fiance is a walk in the park. My significant other is as difficult as all hell. Okay? You can't stand them. 
I dropped dead of a heart attack. My significant other inherits my everything, which includes my share of the business. You are now forced to work with my significant other. How's that going to work? So the buy-sell agreement, I don't know what it's called in Australia, that's what it's called here, is it then allows, would allow you to buy my share out of the company and pay the significant other, which means that you can then bring on board whoever you want to. And it's to protect both part, all, partner, all parties. Yeah, interesting. Um, I don't know exactly what it's called, but yeah, that's very powerful as well. Cause you're right. Like, um, and there's different types of insurances and different types of things that we can get. Right. Uh, I know that. And, I, and I, I can't, I don't sell insurance, so I can't give you advice about what insurance to take, but I can tell you that if you don't look out for that, you're going to be in trouble. So you need to find out whatever it's called in Australia and uh, wherever check else it out. Know. That's it. Definitely. Yeah. Else. I mean, if you look at the States, every state in the United States got their own legislation. That's crazy. Same country, different legislation. <laughs> Tell me about I guess that. only the Yanks, eh? Only the Yanks. <laughs> Yeah, even though we have different states, it's still more a lot more unified in Australia. There are some subtle differences um, between the states, but um, yes, there is. Um, but I'm sure the core is still the same. Yes, correct. The core is still the yeah. same, which is right. It's just a few little specific things on each country. One thing when I was in Adelaide, uh, when I grew up there, was um, the long service leaves. You know, when you work for a company for a long period of time, yeah. you get long service leave. In Adelaide, after you could take it after, you get it after seven years, and at 10 years, you get three months, right, of um, long service leave. In New South Wales, Sydney, where I am now, um, you, you have to wait till 10 years and it's only two months, right? So well, Don't come to South Africa because you don't get it. Oh, you don't get it at all. There you go. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, I know. And it's, it's just those little things, right, of um, knowing what's there. And, um, we'll we'll put it this way. It's not legislated, so you're not obliged to, to give it. Okay. as an employer that's right you can if you want to but remember then you can't give it to one person and not the other correct and then it comes down to the numbers right like this is where you have you have to actually accrue for it as well right this is where a lot of people if they've got these things yeah. are you accruing for this money so that if somebody was to take it at some point or or other you know things that they need to do in part of their leave and stuff like that um because some people might want to cash out their leave or or and and, and yeah, in this country, the only time you can cash out your leave is when you when you leave the company. Yeah, it's illegal because what would happen, and in fact, it's something that I insist in a in a letter of appointment, is to say, okay, you have to have a minimum of fifteen days per annum, and you can actually put it in your letter of appointment that it's ten consecutive days, and then the balance you can use ad hoc kind of thing or a lot of the companies have a shutdown over the christmas period and you're obliged to take your leave then but you might have a few extra days or whatever that you can take whenever you want to so i always make uh, my clients put into the letters of appointment that you cannot accru accrue the leave so what you you can most people, we have our year ends here in February. Don't ask me why, but that's the way it is. Um, most companies have it. The, the tax year end is February. So most companies, it makes logical sense to have their, their tax year end in February. But you can have it whenever you want to do it. So I was say, so, okay, if your year end is February, then you say as of the 31st of March, Whatever leave you is owing to you that you haven't taken, you lose. Because that is also where you trade recklessly, where you allow staff to accrue leave and then they cash it out. And then you remember you're paying for that leave at their current rate of salary. 
not the salary that they were on when they started accruing the leave, which might have been 10, 15 years ago. And you left with this huge big bill that you suddenly have to find money to pay out. And then we go back to the trading recklessly. Yeah. So that's something you need to think about carefully. Definitely. And here, you go. Here, what we, we often do here, certainly the big corporates, they give you um, service awards. So after 10 years, you get an additional five days leave per annum. After 15 years, you get additional whatever it is. So they've got to be very careful how they do that and that they accruals. Because then you remember you've got different leave structures up throughout the ranks. So they've got to be on the ball then and, and make sure that the accruals run correctly. Otherwise, you're in trouble. Definitely. This is where knowing your numbers is yeah, extremely important because then it, it all ties into the cash flow of the business and being able to do it. Do you, do you guys have VAT there, the value-added tax? Yeah, we, we do. It's something or similar. A form called, of it. It's called GST. Yeah, 10%. Yeah, general sales. Yeah. yeah. So what I always do here because a, a lot of entrepreneurs when it comes to we, we pay it over every two months uh, and a lot of them then scrabble for funds so what i always advise and you're welcome is that you open up an interest bearing account and as your invoices are paid you put the the gst into that account so when it becomes due, you've got the funds. And of course, for the, the input and outputs, there's generally left over. And that, for me, I see that as that's my salary from the receiver of revenue to say thank you for collecting the VAT on his behalf. So that becomes my bonus at the end of the year. I love that. Um, very... It's invariably what I use when I go to my favorite little Greek island, Karpathos. <laughs> That's good. That's right. And uh, there's always ways and yeah, great things. I definitely uh, have the same thing. I have a separate bank account, put it in, um, be diligent with that. Otherwise, yeah, you're going to have issues, um, you know, paying tax and we don't want that, right? We want to keep the tax man happy. And, and you know what? I think a lot of people think, oh, I don't like tax or whatever. You know what? If you're paying a lot of tax, it means you're making a lot of money, right? So um, tax... Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Because... You could be not claiming for everything that you should be claiming for. And that's another reason to get the right accountant. Correct. You want someone who knows what they're doing. And my guy, Nico, he's, he's always fair, he says. You have to pay what you are, what you have to pay. But you're not going to pay a cent more. So he's very clear with his clients on that you have to pay your share but you don't have to pay more than your share and that also um, comes into how you claim for things in your how your books are set up definitely very important yeah, yeah, yeah. i love that very true very true points um so let's um let's title in now so we, we've uh, we've done had some awesome discussions through some lovely stories as well um, from you, Nikki. So um, if, if we're going to just put it out there, right, to all the entrepreneurs listening, like what one key piece of advice, I guess, would you give for everyone listening um, for their businesses? Whew. I know common sense nowadays is a very rare commodity, but I would say use your common sense. Be fair. Be consistent. Love what you do and do what you love. It's that simple. Do what makes your heart and your soul sing with joy. Because if you're not happy at work, what's the point? Always be true to who you are. Why would you want to be someone else? Be you. Because that authenticity when people see it, it automatically attracts them to you. Definitely. And if you're not authentic, 
it's hard work trying to remember who you are to which person. That's just, yeah, it's crazy. It's really crazy. Be the quirky, unique, eccentric person that you are and shine your light. I love that. Very powerful words. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Nikki. So yeah, we, we connected through our, our networks where you always provide huge amounts of value without expecting anything in return. You know, your extensive experience uh, brings plenty of wisdom in many areas of business. Uh, you know, you're always happy to help others in need. You're an amazing woman and I'm sure you'll continue you. to help, um, you know, people scale their businesses sustainably. Well, I've, I've written over 2000 blogs. They're on my website. People are more than welcome. There's no cost. Sign on, read. If you don't understand, drop me a line. As long as it's not something that I have to spend 20 hours on, because then I'm going to bill you. If it's just a quick question, I'm happy to respond and, and put you on the right path. Just bear in mind, obviously, that I'm not up the curve with uh, Australian tax requirements or uh, corporate governance requirements but I am logical and I do have common sense and I use both all the time <laughs> I love that and you know obviously we've got a lot of Australians here, but we do have people all over the world as well right so um, but yeah Nikki's uh, I've, I've been you know connected with Nikki a while on social media and she posts a lot of these things as well um, blogs and everything like that and really great value like really so definitely um Look into that. I'm, I'm, you know, very grateful we connected, and uh, you know, I look forward to working in the future as well, Nikki. So, thank you so much for your time today. So, um, how can Fantastic. people, how can people find you and uh, get in contact with you? Uh, you see now that name comes in here. So it's Consulting, one word, .co.za. Beautiful. Love that. Um, you uh, spelled it very well and very clear for everyone. So um, check out Nikki. Um, it's, uh, yeah, amazing stuff there. And um, you never know where it's going to lead, but she definitely knows her stuff. So thank you, everyone, for watching, listening to this show where we talk about everything on business growth. Please like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. If you, you can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube as Ethan Cassiotis, or visit my website, ethancassiotis.com. I completely agree with you, or do I? The only way you know is if you tune in next time. So until next time, remember that our business grows when we learn skills and take action using them in spite of fear. Have a great day.